everybody. Robert W. Farnsworth here. We find ourselves on a short week, so therefore, there is no news. There is no trivia. The candle has been lit, and there is no movie. If you are wanting to play one of our games this week, go to the comments section. The deadline for the Rook Dog Challenge and for the Nobody Cares About Your Fantasy Team is the noon kickoffs on Sunday. No entries will be accepted after that. But for now, our 0-1 Minnesota Vikings, Hopper, New Englander, Wolverine Express, the city of brotherly love, the city of poop eaters, to play the Philadelphia Eagles, coached by Nick Sirianni, and the dastardly Jalen Hurts. Will our beloved Vikings fall to 0-2 and, and stare a playoff this season in the face, or will they bounce back? We'll find out. All right. Robert, thanks for that extended intro. Thanks, Bobby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're on a short week. The Vikings play Thursday night in Philadelphia. Second year in a row, they got a primetime game in Philly in week two. Last year was a Monday night game. This year it's a Thursday night game. Drewster, how you doing, brother? Doing well, Ted. Wait all season. You have a game like that yesterday. I'm glad we're bouncing back in four days to play. How about you? You want to you wanna go over anything on the Tampa Bay game? No. Okay, moving on. Alrighty then. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> yeah, we're on a short week, and we wanted to welcome everybody to episode 105. Ruby, if you would really quick put up our players for this week for the fantasy teams. Okay, and just like Robert said, put your team entry in the comments below. All right, this is usually the last part of the show. It's going to be our only part of the show this week. So we are going to slide off to the side. Ruby is going to put up the big board is our tribute to the old NFL Today show. And as you can see, we've got our categories starting with quarterback all the way down to intangibles, which is always my favorite subject. Stuff you don't see, Ted. Stuff you don't see, son. It's stuff you can't see, son. <laughs> all right. Drew, the Eagles are 1-0, defending NFC champs. They're at home. It's a primetime game. It feels not good for the Vikings. Go ahead and say it. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, I'm, I'm not looking forward to this game, to be quite honest with you. And we'll, as we get into these categories, I think you'll find out why. We'll start out with quarterback. We got a matchup of two pretty good quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Kirk Cousins. Who do you like in this one, Drew? Because of the mobility of Jalen Hurts and, you know, overall talent, I think throwing the football in a clean pocket, Kirk probably has the advantage. But with Hertz's running and everything, he probably has the advantage in this one. I'm going to go ahead and give it to uh, Hertz, who did have a modest game week one versus New England. He had, what, under 200, under 200 yards passing, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, 170 and one touchdown. So, okay. you know, saving it this week for the 400-yarder, Ted. Yeah, you know, I mean, you start out week one on the road in, in New England, and still it was like Tom Brady Day, I think it was. They managed to spoil that, just like Tampa Bay spoiled Bud Grant Day. Awesome. Cool. Uh, <laughs> look, I like Kirk. I think a lot of the issues on Sunday, Kirk had that really bad interception, but they weren't all Kirk's fault. Kirk's a good quarterback, but, yeah, Jalen Hurts at home, I'm, I'm going with Jalen Hurts. You know Kirk wants to bounce back. Oh, sure. He's not no. happy with that game at all. But, no. again, I can't give him the check with the offensive line, letting him get hit every play. So Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I have yeah. to go with Hurts, as much as I hate it. All right, the next category is a running game. You know, it's Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler. Kenneth Gainwell had the majority of the carries for the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, but they also have Rashad Penny, Boston Scott, DeAndre Swift, which, surprising, those guys, especially Swift and Rashad Penny, didn't get more carries. 
I, again, they had fairly pedestrian numbers running the ball as well. The Vikings running game was just terrible. I'm going to give it to Philadelphia simply because they have a better matchup in the trenches that I think will give their running backs an opportunity to get more yards. Dude, that is almost word for word what I have in my notes. Almost word for word, Ted. We're on the same page. Philadelphia ran 25 times for 97 yards, which isn't astounding, but it's better than what the Vikings did by 50 yards. Gainwell had 54. You're right. I cannot give it to the Vikings because of the trenches. So I got to go with the running game for Philadelphia. And the Vikings got to show me something. That wasn't much of a running game. What, 17 rushes for 41 yards? You got to do better than that. Until you show me you can do better, other team gets a check mark. That's how it goes on Vikings Report. Yeah. Receiving game. Drew, why don't you take this one? I wrote down a little tidbit for this one. The Vikings versus Tampa Bay, three wide receivers and one tight end, had 28 catches for 277 yards and a touchdown. Wow. Philadelphia, three wide receivers in their tight end, 16 catches for 143 and Dallas Goddard got zero. Zero catches for zero yards, which really shocked me. I thought they were going to go more to him, but I'm giving the Vikings a check mark on the receiving game. One, they got great receivers, and apparently two, that's our only way to win a game. So I'm going to go Vikings on the receivers. And I know Philly's got some great receivers over there, Ted. I know they do. I'm going to give it to the Vikings with this caveat. As long as they don't throw another tight end or fullback screen all season. I don't know why they think this is something that will be successful consistently. It, it hasn't been. The Vikings have not been able to execute a screen pass well in about 14 years, it feels like. Jordan Addison really flashed. He had that, I think it was a 39-yard touchdown, just got behind the, the secondary, and the Vikings just kind of seemed to revert back into this conservative passing game to get four or five yards here. I didn't understand it. If the Vikings stretch the field with their guys, I think they have one of the best passing attacks in the NFL. If we see more of uh, on Thursday of what we saw Sunday, I would have to give it to Philly, but I think the potential is there for the Vikings to have the edge in the receiving game. That's well said. And let me add this to it, Ted. When you mentioned the screen game, not so much it doesn't work. What bothers me is that even last year, Kevin O'Connell sticks with it too long. Yeah. If it's not working, why is he still trying it in the fourth quarter? He did that last year. We kept saying, you know, he's got to learn to adjust like Tampa yeah. did. The th last three or four catches TJ Hawkinson had, and I don't know what the exact number is, but it felt like all lost yards. And when he did catch a pass for positive yards, it was maybe four or five. I don't think he caught a, a significant pass downfield except maybe one or two all day. It was just weird. Eight catches for like 36 yards. I mean, come on. Like, whatever. I'm going to give the check mark to the Vikings on this because, like you said, if they open it up, we're going to beat these guys. I would like to think so, yeah. The offensive line. So, you know, I said all, all offseason, boy, you know, continuity is a big deal, and maybe it is, but we didn't see that on, on Sunday. Now Christian Derrissaw, they said in practice this week, he would have been limited. Garrett Bradbury has a back injury. He would have been out. I just don't see Bradbury playing. It looks like it's going to be Austin Schlotman on Thursday night for the Vikings. The Eagles just have a bunch of maulers and mashers on their offensive line. I would argue Jason Kelsey's kind of the heart and soul, the, the vet. They've got great bookend tackles. They've got a pretty good interior offensive line. I, I don't see how you can, in any good conscience, give this check mark to the Vikings. It's got to go to the Eagles, to me, in my mind. Easy choice for me is the Eagles. I mean, the Vikings' interior offensive line, you thought they got tested against Tampa. They're going up against a 
defensive line that will just maul you and mash you. Yeah. And you know what? Last year we were the most pressured quarterback in the league was Cousins. Are we just going to do that again all year? It just seems like they're going to roll with these guys and let the chips fall where they may. What's that? Oh, that's the sound of, of Ted crushing my dreams. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, and and those chips are going to be cement blocks hitting Kirk in the ribs and in the head and in the legs. And he can't take this beating. He, he just can't. Yeah. We're not going to win games. We're not even going to have a starting quarterback. Here's another thing. That was a problem last year. We didn't address it. Or they no. thought the inside was going to be taken care of. But yeah. Eagles, by far, the O-line and by far, the D-line. Yeah. And that... Brings us to our next category, the front seven this year. We're doing the defensive line and, and the linebackers. And, you know, here's something. Jalen Carter, we talked about Jalen Carter. He was looking to be like the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Had that speeding ticket incident or whatever it was back in February. And on Sunday, his very first game, he recorded eight pressures during Sunday's win against the Patriots, the most of any defensive tackle in the NFL. And Seth Walder posted this tweet about the top ten players in pass rush win rate at the defensive tackle in week one. Number two was Jalen Carter, and number four was Fletcher Cox. Both defensive tackles for the Philadelphia Eagles. Against Schlotman, Schlotman, and Ingram, and Ezra Cleveland. And Ezra Cleveland. And then you add in a guy like Hassan Reddick, their Sam linebacker, Nicobe Dean, Josh Sweat, and Brandon Graham on the edge. This is hands down a, a huge advantage for Philadelphia. I'm really worried because Tampa Bay, they have a good front seven. You know, there's a difference in that game last Sunday was his front seven. The Eagles have a better front seven. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do, but if they go with the conservative up the middle play calling, the Vikings, if there's any week to be aggressive, it's this week. But front seven is all Eagles. They get my check. Yeah. And I don't say this to be disparaging of the Vikings. You know, that one of the things I really liked about Sunday's game was this new look Vikings defense. They were aggressive. Harrison Phillips looked good. I thought he had a great game. I thought Jordan Hicks played well, but man, this Eagles front seven, it just seems like they're on a different level. Right. And you also got to factor in who is your front seven going against? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they start dominating the defensive line, they're going to have the advantage at linebacker dropping back. So that has something to do with it too. But no, I'm not going to bag on the Vikings defense. The Vikings defense is what I'm most excited about. Yeah. What a great start they had last week. So Pace, everybody played well. You're right, Ted, but yeah. if I have to grade it out and give a check, it goes to the Eagles in this category. Yep. Moving on to the secondary. What do you think about the secondary matchup, Drew? James Bradbury being out at corner for the Eagles is huge. He said he might not play. He's not playing. Yeah, he's in concussion protocol. I would be surprised to see him come out of concussion protocol. Such a short turnaround this week. And that is when you're an underdog on the road, you got to look for little mismatches, and that might be the one. That might be the one area we can exploit. Who knows with Kevin O'Connell, though? He likes to run it up the middle every first down. So, um, Bradbury bringing out is huge. They have, when it comes to safeties, they got Blankenship, Justin Evans, good players, smart players, but I'd give the Vikings a check mark at safety. And this week, I know Darius Slay is good, but they're going to have a new guy on the other side. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give the Vikings a slight check mark. I thought the Vikings secondary played pretty well. They had the, that breakdown on the touchdown to uh, Evans and maybe one or two other ones. But all in all, for the Vikings going three and out on six of 11 possessions, the defensive secondary played pretty well for the Vikings for the first week. I think they're going to play better. I am giving them the check mark. Yeah, Caleb Evans, I thought, had a very good game. Harrison Smith, they were using all over the field. Yeah, I like the Vikings secondary here. The only thing I worry about is kind of what we saw on Sunday. Will the offense be able to 
sustain drives and keep the defense off the field. And then we saw that the offense went, I think, two or three straight three and out drives, put the defense right back on, and they just got worn out. Can't do that. You've got to play, especially on the road against a team like Philadelphia, you have got to play complimentary football if, if you have a chance to win. But I like the Vikings secondary here, especially with Bradbury for the Eagles out. I, I'm going to give them the check as well. Also, Mac Jones completed 35 passes. Granted, he threw 54, Ted. He completed 35 <laughs> passes for like 315 yards and three touchdowns. So you can move the ball. So we might have to pass three quarters of our plays this game. We should. Yeah. But you got to go with where your strength is. As long as they go downfield, I don't care. Good deal. Red zone. I, you know, the Vikings had some awful red zone issues on Sunday against the Bucks on the road with those issues until they proved to me that they can solve those issues. They can't. So I'm going to give the red zone check to Philadelphia. I'm in agreement. One for three in the red zone. If you're going to play it like that, I can't give you the check mark. They're going to have to show me, show me what they're doing down there. I don't know how you don't score touchdowns with what we got going, but Eagles gets a check mark in the red zone until the Vikings have a red zone game. Special teams. What are you thinking about special teams, Drewster? I think Joseph kicks better on the road than he does at home. We have better punter. We have better kicker. I don't know about our punt returner, but uh, I like our special teams. I'm going to give the Vikings a check mark here. I thought the Vikings special teams, they had, I think they had gave up one fairly long kick return. Their punt return coverage seemed pretty good. Ryan Wright, I thought, punted the ball well. Uh, Joseph made all his attempts, extra points and field goals. I, I do like the Vikings special teams here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them the slight edge. No, we had a great return called back because a stupid yeah. flag. Yeah, stupid play. Coaching, you know, last week I went on and on about how great Kevin O'Connell was and Wes Phillips and defensive coordinator Brian Flores, who I thought Flores called a great game for the most part. I was thinking that I could give the, the coaching edge to the Vikings this week because Nick Sirianni is still the head coach, but he lost his offensive de- coordinator and defensive coordinator to head coaching jobs after the Super Bowl last year. But after what I saw against the Buccaneers, I don't know what Kevin O'Connell's deal is with play calling this past weekend. He's got to fix that, or the Vikings are going to be in serious trouble. He's got to be aggressive, and he's got to stay aggressive. You've said it way more than once last year and into the offseason, and, brother, you're right. If he goes into this conservative shell and play not to lose, the Vikings are going to lose, especially against a team like Philadelphia. And say what you want about Nick Sirianni. He kind of comes off as a, the personality that's a perfect fit for Philadelphia, but he's an aggressive coach, and he coaches to win. So I'm going to give the check mark to the Eagles staff. I have to give it to the Eagles staff, too, even though they got a couple new guys on there. Sirianni is not only aggressive, Ted, he's a, he's a good game planner and not really afraid to make mistakes and get aggressive. And he's good at making adjustments in-game, which O'Connell, I don't know what he does. in. I don't think he changes anything much as a head coach. And then you got uh, Desai, Sean Desai, or Desai, whatever you, however you want to say it. First year with Philly, he was a secondary coach with Seattle. Last year, sent two guys to the Pro Bowl, Tariq Woolen and... Quadre Diggs, formerly with Chicago. Getting a new guy with this guy isn't really, I don't think you're really lacking anything, but we need to punch him in the face regardless. And uh, offensive coordinator's new, Brian Johnson, Ted. Not to be confused with the great Brian Johnson from ACDC. How's he been doing that? He called me and said, I want to be a head coach someday, Drew. You know what I said? That would you say. It's a long way to the top, buddy, if you want to <laughs> rock and roll. So Brian Johnson, I don't know much about him except singing Hell's Bells, but yeah. Again, a lot of these check marks on my part, the Vikings got to show it. They got to show me the running game. They got to show me the front seven. They got to show me the corner group and all that stuff. They got to show me better blocking by the offensive line. And they have to show me better coaching. There's nobody in the league I would give O'Connell the check mark over this week. 
That's how angry I am at him. I just hope Brian Johnson doesn't shake us all night long. That's just what? weird. <laughs> <laughs> Let me it you! All right. Last but certainly not least, intangibles. The stuff you can't see, son. It's just the stuff you can't see. The Vikings had all the intangibles going for them on opening weekend. It was Bud Grant tribute weekend, the new coach. They had the throwback uniform. Crowd was absolutely jazzed. And now they are going to go into that environment as the visiting team. Phil, I don't think Philly's going to do a Bud Grant tribute on Thursday night, but they're defending NFC champions. They're, it's their home opener. It's in prime time, short turnaround, almost every single advantage going for them into this game to include the intangibles. They've got a chance to go up 2-0 in the division after the Giants absolutely got boat raced by Dallas. I just don't see any kind of advantage the Vikings have going into this game. Intangible check to Philly. And I'm going to give him my biggest intangible pretty much of the game. After that horrible debacle against Tampa Bay, what kind of mental state are the Vikings going to be in Thursday night? Brutal loss. Brutal loss, but you got to move by it. But how much are they going to move? But how much leadership do the players have? How much leadership do the coaches have to get us fired up for this game? Or do they just go into a hole and get boat raced? I will say the few times the Vikings just had an absolutely terrible game last year, the Dallas game comes to mind. They bounce back the next week. Week two in Philadelphia, they had a bad game. They came back and played very well in week three. When that happened last year, they were a very resilient team. That was last year. I'm not saying they're going to fall flat on their face. I'm not saying they're going to come out and go like gangbusters because I don't know. The team I saw on Sunday was not the team I saw last year. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Vikings respond to this because since the NFL went to their current playoff format in 1990, to even to include last year when they expanded the playoffs again or two years ago, whatever it was, teams that started out 0-2 made the playoffs 11% of the time. Last year was the first year with a 17-game schedule. Five teams started 0-2. Only one of them, Cincinnati, made the playoffs. But if you start 0-2, you put yourself in a hole that is very difficult to climb out of in the NFL because you just don't have a lot of opportunities to make up ground. And you look at the schedule, games like Tampa are games just about everybody checks off as a win. Now you've got to go steal one because there's games you're probably not going to win, and this is one of those games. If they can get to 1-1, one and one, you know, we, we thought they'd be one and one after two games. It'd be one and one the hard way, but it'd still be one and one. But right now, I'm just not optimistic. I hope they win. I want them to win. I'm going to be cheering like hell for them to win, but this just feels like a bad night coming. Somebody asked me yesterday, how did Tampa Bay win that game? You know what I told them? Tampa Bay played exactly like we did last year. That was identical to how the Vikings were winning games. Sure was. Take advantage of turnovers, penalties with timing. Like Chris Gates said, penalties aren't aren't necessarily bad unless they're in bad situations, like the Jay Ward lining up offside. Yeah, in the neutral zone on a field goal attempt. What what the hell, man? But Vikings took advantage of mistakes last year by teams in one close games. That's what Tampa Bay did. That's yep. exactly what they did. This game, I actually think the Vikings do have a shot if they get the game plan right and they minimize the stupid mistakes. Because they do have a good passing game. I watched the Philly-New England game. Mm -hmm. Philly had a hard time with New England. They struggled against them. Did they? The Patriots always bring a solid defensive effort because you got Belichick, who ran those good defenses back in the 80s. But they look beatable. They might be thinking they're just going to walk through us because we had such a terrible opening game. And what happened last year. Yeah, they're going to have to take some chances, play mistake-free. I think they might have a shot at this. By three or something. We'll know by the end of the first quarter if they're going with the wuss playbook or we're attacking and wanting to win. All right. So you got a prediction then? You think the Vikes are going to pull this one out? 
I'm going to take us to even up. Are you? I am. And that's way out on a limb. I know that. Okay. I think the Vikes dropped to 0-2, and until they prove to me otherwise, I, I, I don't have a good feeling. I just don't have a good feeling about this game. I'm going to pick the Eagles, and then it's, you know, you got the Chargers, Panthers, and Chiefs after that. That's just a brutal early schedule. If, if they do go 0-2, they're staring, you know, 1-4 and possibly in the face, and that's that's a heck of a way to start. You know what, Ted? You mentioned it during the studio show of Tampa Bay Week last week. Can't lose this game because no. of that. You can't go into Philly 0-1 with a team you should have beaten. Yeah. And here we sit. Here we are. All right. So that's our preview for the week. Brother, it's kind of an abbreviated show. I'm kind of on the road. You can see my background here at a hotel out near the Mall of America here for work this week. Look, folks, thanks for joining us. Thanks for commenting. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for liking. Thanks for doing all that you do to support our show. Really uh, truncated show this week so we could get it out before the Thursday night game. We'll try and do better the next time. Buddy, take us home. Thank you, Ted. I want to thank everybody for joining the show tonight and liking and subscribing. The contests are going. The season's going. And I am still hyped that football's back. I am too. Say good night, Ted. Good night, Ted. Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>